are back. I know it's been somewhat of a hiatus. I've been a little bit tied up with a campaign, which is winding down. This is Sunday afternoon as we record this, and the polls open Tuesday morning, unless you're an early voter or a cheater. <laughs> Sorry, that that was aimed at Tom, who's who's here with me, who did vote early. I am an early voter. and I, This year I was actually going to, they say, vote in person, but even voting early, I voted in person at the courthouse. Yes. Um, yeah, but that, that's the story, isn't it? That yeah. after busting my butt in a campaign for a couple of months, I voted for my opponent. It's kind of shooting yourself in the foot, isn't it? Uh, no, no, not at all. Not so, at all. So tell the folks why you did that. I, w- I would like for you to be able to tell them yourself what happened. Okay, good. Because I've talked to several news agencies who, who cut a lot out of what I said about this because you know, they were digging for some dirty political story. And when it turned out there wasn't one, um, they didn't know what to do with it. Well, what had happened was um, I, I got a, a late start in the race. You know that I had, a, uh, I had to spend eight days in D.C. for my job as a professor. We hadn't had our in-person graduation or meetings for three years because of the pandemic. So they lined up all this ridiculous stuff. I took about a week to get out there because I decided to ride my motorcycle. It took about a week to get back. So I was off the campaign trail for about three weeks, still contacting people, still doing things virtually, but it's not the same as people going around the state. So I had no momentum going. Voting starts in July, and I am just really starting to campaign at the beginning of July. And I'm building momentum. I'm meeting people. I'm starting to go to towns and find my signs or in towns I hadn't even been to yet. I'm like, these are all good signs, no pun intended. And <laughs> these are great signs. They're yeah. mine. Yeah. And then I have people volunteering to, to print highway signs and put them up. I'm like, so great. This, this is catching on. Um, I was feeling pretty good about things. And then I get a call from the Gun Owners of America to let me know that we had originally talked about me being the first superintendent candidate that that organization ever endorsed. But they were watching the race closely too. And they saw my late start and they saw superintendent Schrader really hitting the ground and saying a lot of the same things I was saying too. So I get a call from the GOA and they're like, we're going to endorse Brian. And I was, my immediate reaction was, Oh no. And it wasn't because I'm like, I just lost the race. I had just lost the historical opportunity to be the first superintendent <laughs> candidate they ever endorsed. That's, that was the disappointment. Um, and, and so I was heartbroken over that. But a few days later, I was at the uh, Lander Save Wyoming rally. And I was not scheduled to speak, but they had openings. So I asked to speak and they said, no, we're not going to let you talk. We know you're conservative but we're, we're backing Brian Schrader. You know, this is not a party event. This is an independent event. They could do whatever they want Correct. to. Correct. I was not angry, but I was disappointed. But the writing was on the wall. The GOA had gotten behind Brian. The Save Wyoming people, whoever they are, had gotten behind Brian. And it's it became pretty obvious to me that I was not going to win this. We have a conservative incumbent who's known statewide because he's the incumbent, and then we've got a well-funded rhino who had her signs and brochures printed up before I think any of us even actually officially filed to run for the office in May. Can't fault her for planning ahead. 
No, no, not at all. I mean, that's typically how the rhinos work in this state. They have big money behind candidates. They're very good polished politicians who say the right things and don't step on any landmines. Um, They look the part. They talk the talk. They never walk the walk once they're in office. But that doesn't matter because they've got their name out there. And then people start voting on July 1st. And then most meet and greets are after voting already started. So I was way behind the curve. So I see liberal Republican money is behind one candidate. Conservative money is starting to get behind Brian. And I'm on my own, other than the grassroots people helping me out across the state. So it becomes really clear. All I'm going to do is make it harder for Brian to get elected. That's it. I was going to say reelected, but he was appointed in the first place. There were people that asked me if Megan was paying you. If Megan was paying me to stay in the race? Yeah. Oh, please tell me about that. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. It's just something that was suggested. Well, could could it be? Okay, so if we one side we've got the uh, we've got Megan's campaign was I was being used by them to sink Brian, and then I drop out of the race, and now people think I'm colluding with Brian's campaign. Yeah. All right. It was really this simple. I was sitting at home. Looking at the numbers, looking at the data, looking how much money I had, how much time I had, and it was August 1st, a little more than two weeks to go, and I'm thinking, I could empty out all of my kids' college funds, buy a bunch of radio time, buy a bunch of big signs, get my name out there, make a really, really heavy push, and maybe, very, very slim shot, two other big candidates push myself over and win. Very unlikely to do that. I'm not going to spend my kids' money like that anyway. It just became increasingly clear all I was going to do was sink Brian's ship. And I didn't want that to happen because he and I see eye to eye on a lot of issues. And those who know how much taller I am, go ahead and insert your tall (laughs) jokes here. But philosophically and ideologically, Brian and I really see eye to eye on a lot of things. And that became more and more apparent on the campaign trail. And um, it was nice to see him, too, as he got better at public speaking and picked up on how to work a crowd and everything like that. I was happy to see that. He, he got much, much better at being a politician because neither he nor I are politicians. And he's running against a professional politician. But you have some experience in public speaking and have a certain poised in a manner which he learned from. I saw him do that myself. But the other thing that I'm going to throw in here so that you don't have to was you drove the narrative of the entire debate for quite a while. And I was happy to see that because I I saw that actually bleed into some of the other races too. Not just this, but the U.S. congressional race started to hear some of these themes, started to hear it in Secretary of State, started to hear it in the governor's race, um, I, I felt good about that, but I, I didn't really like convince people as much as I just kind of like exposed something that people weren't paying attention to. Because as you know, Wyoming politics is very isolated from national politics. You hear the people out there, I'm fifth, sixth generation Wyomingite. I, I bleed Wyoming. Oh, that person's from out of state. That person doesn't count. And I brought to the narrative that, yeah, I'm from out of state, and that's why I know this better than you do. And uh, that reached a lot of Wyoming voters. And then Brian was a little bit more open about, no, I'm not originally from Wyoming. 
Um, he, he's been here much longer than I have, but he also was not born here. Um, I heard other candidates talk about, yes, I was born in Wyoming, but I haven't spent my whole life here. I've been outside and I know what the country looks like. So I like the fact that I got to voters that you shouldn't trust somebody just because he or she was born and raised here. There are outright communists living in this state who were born and raised here for six generations. I just want to tie on to that because I'm probably one of those politicians in that last section that you said. I hate to call myself a politician, but it's a necessary evil. It's a means to an end. And that end is to try to preserve Wyoming so that my grandkids, who are sixth-generation Wyoming natives, natives, not just residents, have half of the benefits that I enjoyed. One of the things I learned about living around the country, thanks to Uncle Sam, and in fact living around the world, was not everybody does it like we do it here. Some things they do better, some things they do worse. And I actually believe that if you are a fifth or sixth generation Wyomingite and you've never lived anywhere else, you're at a disadvantage because you have not had a chance to learn from things that are successful in other places or from things that are woefully unsuccessful, and you're not going to see what's happening to Wyoming. What's happened to Colorado over the last 20 years is horrendous in great big sums of money being dumped into campaigns to leverage the entire government entire state government. Right. And what I saw coming here was that Wyoming has been targeted by the national left yeah. for these two Senate seats. This yeah. is the easiest state to flip because the population is so small mm-hmm. and because the Republican Party is so badly infected with liberal Democrats who just write down R when they register just so they can get into office. And it's really clear when they vote. Let's. I want to go back briefly to like the actual day I dropped out, how that happened. I decide, I told my wife, I'm like, you know what? I'm done. Um, I'm tired. I'm probably not going to win. And I'm probably going to sink Brian's campaign because I'm gaining momentum, but not enough to do anything other than make sure that Brian comes in second. So I, she says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go down to the courthouse. I'm going to go vote for Brian right now. And then I'm going to tell him, and then I'm going to, officially drop out of the race. And that's exactly what I did. I went to the Sheridan County courthouse, got my ballot, voted for Brian Schrader. It felt really weird to see my name next to his and in voting for him. You don't go into a campaign <laughs> thinking this is how it ends. But, you know, it's, if you have some humility and a sense of humor, you're okay to do it. I, I laughed when I did it. And then I went home and I started to write an email to Brian. So uh, I had a running joke throughout the campaign where, Brian and I always got along well. He has seven children. I have six. We have very similar values. We're originally both from the uh, American Midwest, which has fallen into ruin. And we would like to preserve the liberty that's left in this state. So and he's a very good-natured man, too. So I used to just kind of rib him and be like, you know, I like what you're saying, but I just can't bring myself to vote for you. And then he'd laugh it off and everything. But So I sent him this email that says, you know, Brian, I, I did kid about you know, not voting for you, but I just did. I'm out of the race. And uh, he just wrote back. He's like, whoa, I'm surprised, but I guess I shouldn't be because you've always done exactly what you said you were going to do. And uh, he, and he just told me good luck. But we had spoken casually months earlier before the real campaigning started that 
the issue Wyoming has with multiple conservatives running and a rhino winning. And at the time, there were only three of us interested, and there were two conservatives and a rhino. And I had said, you know what? If it looks like all I'm going to do is make sure the rhino gets elected, I'm getting out of the race. I don't want the job that bad. And that's what Brian remembers me saying for many months ago. He's like, wow, I, I do remember you saying that. You know, So, so after I, I emailed Brian, I called Frank Eothorn and said, hey, Frank, I'm, this is Tom Kelly. I'm suspending my campaign. I'm out. I just voted for Brian Schrader. And his reaction was an, an absolute stunned, whoa, um, can I get that in writing? I've got to get that out to the counties. I said, great. Went ahead and did that. And I thought my life was going to get quiet. Oh, no. Oh, no, it didn't. It, it, the media starts blowing up, looking to dig for some dirt. Oh, well, who paid you off? What job were you offered? What kind of deal did you get? And, and it was like nothing. I did this. Then I, I voted for Brian. Then I told everybody I did it. It was There wasn't something ahead of time. It was completely on my own. But then it gets even better. Somebody calls me up to say, Trump's going to endorse Brian. News got back to him. There's only one conservative in the race now. And he said, okay, because, you know, Trump doesn't like to lose. He only endorses so he can get out there and say, you know, 147 out of 140 of my candidates have been elected. He won't jump into a race unless he thinks that person's going to win. So he jumps in and he he endorses uh, Kurt. He endorses Chuck. He endorses Brian. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like this folk hero for quitting. People are like, you made this possible. You brought Trump in. I'm like, I had nothing to do with it. Trump doesn't know who I am. Trump doesn't care who I am. All he knew was the, it was no longer a three-way race here. I know there were, there were two other candidates, but you know, they were distant fourth and fifth. I want to talk a little bit about the money. We were talking earlier, and I mentioned this, but I think it's illustrative of the problem in politics is all too often what happens is somebody comes in to a race, and this happened in my race this cycle. They have a lot of money, and they would rather throw money at it than go out and do the work. So what we have here, and we don't know how it's going to turn out. My opponent threw at least $43,000 at last count into this race. By the time it's all said and done, it'll probably be over 50000 compared to about the 10000 that I had to spend. I went out and did the work. I knocked on the doors. I met people. I spoke to people out there all of the time. My opponent invited people to come over to his house and sit on the porch and discuss with them. What happens in my view is here's somebody that sees a problem or sees a challenge, and his answer is throw money at it. That type of thinking is what's wrong with legislators today. Rather than go out and do the work and get to the bottom of what the issue is and try to fix the issue at its core, their answer is all too often, just throw more money at it. Look at education in Wyoming. So if this continues, we're in big trouble. Well, how, what, what is the, the, the salary of a part-time legislator in Wyoming? I honestly don't know. There's a daily salary for when you're in session plus a per diem and i think it it averages out somewhere around 300 dollars a day for a while you're actually i, I was thinking he, but he's spent way more than he oh would. yeah yeah why would you spend that kind of money for and he said it himself a, a poor paying part-time job 
there's there's something going on there, and you know you could say that about anybody. It, I I read the other day that Liz Cheney was worth seven million dollars when she took office as Wyoming's representative, and that today she's worth forty four million. I obviously haven't seen the books. I can't verify that, but I I would not be the least bit surprised. Well, at the Wyoming level, one of the aspects I had noticed about campaigning was that the big endorsements, the big money endorsements, all go to the status quo candidates. Yeah. Because these are the people already on the state gravy train. They're already getting all the state contracts. They've got all the connections. They want that to keep going. So they take some of that money and they back up the candidates they know are going to keep things as is. It's the good old boy club on steroids. Absolutely, absolutely. And so if if you're not sure about who to vote for on Tuesday and you haven't voted yet, check out the endorsements. If somebody has a long line of endorsements from all sorts of associations and professional groups, that's a red flag. Or you're known by the people that you hang with. My opponent is endorsed by Governor Mark Gordon. That doesn't impress me particularly. In fact, if I were endorsed by him, I would try to hide it. (laughs) <laughs> he's also endorsed by the previous holder of this house district 29 who was a, on while rhino scored a 10 which is about i was as gonna, bad as I was gonna say no he didn't yeah. score a zero i saw i yeah, saw he got a 10 yeah he he, he got one vote right it might yeah. have been he might have it might have been an accident also endorsed by two people who lost their seats in the wyoming house and senate because they were exposed as being far too left, Rosie Berger and Bruce Burns. If these are the kinds of people that are endorsing him, that's what you're going to get. I also know for a fact that one of their goals is Medicaid expansion. And yet here comes a person who says, I'm a conservative, and yet I'm going to push for Medicaid expansion. In my mind... Those two things are incompatible. Medicaid expansion is more government, more taxes, more spending, less individual freedom. Those are all contrary to conservatism. So rather than just look at a, at a poster or a flyer or something you get in the mail and read all of the meaningless platitudes that we've discussed before, try to find out who these people are really about. It's getting late now. This is my concern. The whole idea of economy and jobs sounds so great to everybody. And, that, and that's what a lot of the rhinos do. They talk about how they're going to bring money to the state. They're going to bring jobs to the state. They're going to bring these multinational corporations to the state. That, you know, states like Illinois and Colorado already brought in. And it's not the job of the state government to provide jobs here, here, here. It is to preserve liberty so free people can run businesses and create jobs and, and, and be entrepreneurs. And Wyoming can have Wyoming-grown companies rather than import them from Seattle with all their Seattle voters. It is an awful idea for like, I know Governor Gordon has been chasing $8 billion for some hydrogen hub from the federal government so we could put in electric car charging stations throughout the state and then all the strings that come with that money. Well, think of the jobs. Yeah, what 
fantastic. Think of the jobs that will be taken by the people who move from California and Illinois because they already sunk those states with these ideas. It, it goes beyond that, too. Whenever you have government picking winners and losers, you have the people who are in those positions and their values deciding the direction of the nation. That's one of the things about a small government, the smallest government possible. What it needs to do is go out and, and ensure an even playing field where nobody has an unfair advantage over anybody else. Well, one of the aspects we're seeing right now of this this desire to bring all these businesses here and and grow cities and grow the state and and bring all these jobs in is reflected in your property tax bill. Because what we have going on right now, that is based on the perceived value of your home. And as the demand to move into Wyoming grows, so does the perceived value of your house. So thus, your property tax goes up. And the worst thing we can do is let's have the government come in and pass more laws now to control property taxes. Uh, The best thing we can do at this point is unleash the free market to build enough housing for the people who want to come here. But for God's sake, stop waving these state carrots around to attract people in from Seattle and Oregon, Illinois and New York and California and these people who are selling their two-bedroom houses for $800,000 to come here and then bid $400,000 on some little shoebox in Sheridan, it is an absolutely horrific way to go. This entire state is only half a million people. This entire state is going to become Teton County. There are more than enough rich people on the West Coast that could come here and buy up a bunch of property and price out every fifth and sixth generation Wyomingite where you're going to end up living in South Dakota anyway. The last public forums, the last two public forums that I did, this was something that we spoke a lot about. We spoke about taking property taxes back to an acquisition base rather than uh, pie in the sky, blue sky, estimated value, paying you're paying taxes on capital gains that you have not seen. So we want to, we want to fix that. I mentioned earlier, looking at the flyer with all the platitudes and all the things. When, when I send them out, I include some specifics about exactly what it is that I want to do. And what I want to do is reduce government. I want to reduce the effect of government on everyone's life as much as possible. Create that even playing field where someone who has an idea on how to build affordable housing and have the opportunity to go out and do that rather than somebody sitting somewhere and throwing bones to them. That's, that's an invitation to crony capitalism. And I saw that in Hot Springs County when my dad was the economic development coordinator for Hot Springs County. I went there, never took a a dime's worth of benefits from anybody built a little cabinet shop, built a little business and was going along. I won't say just fine, but I was going. And another economic development coordinator later after my father had left that position, heard about some cabinet manufacturers that wanted to go into the area and they started throwing them all kinds of bones. Say, we'll give you a tax free status here. We'll, and I'm sitting there thinking, this doesn't mean it's, it's like the cable company that if you've faithfully been paying your cable bill for two years, you you got to pay a premium rate. But if you want to go and switch to them, 
they're going to cut you a break for the next six months or 12 months or something. It's exactly backwards. Right. It's at the expense of the people who are already there because the local governments don't cut their budgets. So while they're cutting these tax breaks, they're still increasing their budget. So it's increased on everybody else. Increased on. You're hurting competition and you're increasing the cost at the same time, which is, that's how government works. So we need less of it, not more. But you know what? It does, none of that matters, Ken, because all you have to do is have flyers out there with your big smiling face that says conservative Republican, even though your voting record says the exact opposite, and then people will vote for you because name recognition is everything. So wake up, folks. <laughs>